Ho, ho, ho! Season's greetings and welcome to VFM. to a Christmas special edition podcast of <laughs> BFM. Um, we've been going for a year now, and this we is have. the last episode that we are uh, recording before Christmas. And delighted as ever to be joined by the man I've spent far too much time with this year, the one and only <laughs> Nico Aspinall. <laughs> Hi, everybody. And yeah, look, absolute pleasure. What are we, 51 episodes? Um, 50, 51 in total. And yeah. this is our fifth special. So I have spent uh, 51 at least hours with you, Darren, recording this year and uh, delighted as ever to be joined by the man who knows the most about the pensions policy environment, Darren Philip. Hello. I don't know about that, Nico. I think some of our <laughs> listeners might take umbrage at that. <laughs> so no guests this week. Um, we thought it'd be good just for you and I to catch up on kind of the year, think about what's what's happened over the year um, and uh, give a bit of a thank you to all of our guests. So exactly like the, the podcast wouldn't be what it is and um, without everyone being so generous with their time mm. and generous with their comments and, and thoughts and you know i've been overwhelmed actually by you know the the number and the caliber of guests that we've had on the podcasts yeah and yeah. you know really good debate really good really good discussion so uh, we, we're going to read out the names a bit later of everyone who's been yes. on the podcast aren't we nico so we'll yes. save that for the end but you know um we will a big shout out now to everyone who's been part of this this wonderful journey that we've been on yeah yeah um and i love the sense that i'm meeting new people and uh you know making new friends through this yeah. process so i hope our listeners have really appreciated that too yeah um but should we thank start you for listening news? and thank you for and listening as well you. yes yeah thank you for listening yes. like um you know I, I don't know if any anyone has listened to every single one of our ramblings but um, if you have perhaps you can you know comment on, on linkedin and yeah we'll, we'll we'll send you um no we won't send you anything <laughs> we'll probably miss the, the christmas post now yes. um but you know we, we will thank you profusely on um on social media how about that yes yeah um should we should we start with the news the news yes why not yeah there's still lots going on i know it's um it's it's coming up for christmas um but you know it's it's in, and we're not quite in silly season yet um <laughs> and i haven't seen too many um you know ho 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 type press releases right um so you got in there first nico well done um <laughs> but yeah i wanted to um just pick up a piece that has been released and it's a bit of a teaser actually i think mm. so um we've talked on the podcast uh, before about some research that state street and uh people's partnership have done Yes. And I think we, we picked it up on this, um, particularly with Tim Gosling when he was on the show. And Alistair, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, this was some research um, that tracked individuals through their re retirement. Yeah, and mm. it was started in 2015. Um, and it's a longitudinal research. So it, it keeps going back to people to see what they're doing now. Um, whether some of their gold coin investments or whatever <laughs> they actually did have, um, have, 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 have come out trumps. Um, but it, you know, but it, but it, it provides massive insight um, in terms of what people are doing. But importantly, you know, the emotions that people are going through, what they're, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, some of the, you know, some of the less sort of technical, but more softer barriers that people have when it comes to managing their they're, they're at retirement mm. and we've, we've promised a new report in the new year um so looking forward to to seeing the next iteration of that yeah um but i'm i'm, I'm looking at um phil and alistair now on screen who are in <laughs> professional pensions today um and as i said they've got a bit of a teaser and and their teaser is you know going back to the story of inflation um we know that um over the the last little while 
you know inflation has been rampant mm. yeah, especially compared to what it was like for um you know um, the, the previous decade and, and and probably more you know a lot mm. more actually mm. and um you know the latest version of this survey um you know people are obviously suffering from you know cost of living um, increases mm. they're they're feeling um, the pressures in their pockets um but even even though they're living through this at the moment you know what the report shows and we'll know more about this when it comes out next year is that people aren't still thinking about inflation when it comes to thinking about what happens next yeah yeah Yeah. so so you could you could almost understand that in a benign inflation environment when you know the bank of england was actually struggling to hit the two percent target but the other way around yeah Yeah. often undershot the um Mm. the two percent target um, you can you can understand when you know inflation isn't you know flavor of the month or year that yeah. people aren't thinking about it but i think what will come out of this research and as i say it's only a teaser at this stage so we don't have a lot of details mm. but i think you know what this will show is that you know even though people are getting hit in their pockets now mm. yeah um and and inflation is well you know you you you, you you don't have to, you know, watch many news programs for inflation yeah. to be, you know, one of the top two stories and the cost of living yeah. crisis being one of the top two stories. Yeah. But people still aren't thinking about that when it comes to, mm. okay, how am I going to spend my money the next year, or what is the next thing I'm going to do with my my pensions? Um, you know, as I, um, will probably with these people go further into my retirement. Yeah. So it just shows what what a challenge it is to communicate some of these concepts and to get yeah. people to to think about them, you know, um, and, and, and you know, as I said, this is, you know, people are living through this at the moment. You know, mm. we, we know that there is this thing called the cost of living crisis and it's and, it, and it's huge and it's really impacting on on people's day to day lives. Yeah. Um, and yeah. if we can't communicate and talk to them about this stuff at this type of time, yeah. um well you know what what chance have we got um you know more more widely and more broadly so yeah, i say that's yeah. coming out new year um look forward to that um yeah. let's let's give an invite to to phil um and um um phil and maybe phil brown and maybe yeah. someone from state street to see if they would like to come on to the pod and um and talk us through the the research in the new year yeah fantastic yeah i mean inflation it's sort of uh it's just it's it 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 is sort of anti the way that we think about money as children, isn't it? So so yes. as children, you just think about kind of pounds and pence, and uh, you know we grow up with like one piece sweets and uh, you know half now, penny sweets in my day. Hey, okay. did you? Oh, half penny sweets. Yeah, they were just getting rid of halfpennies when I was uh, when I was when I was coming up. I think is how they say. Um, so you know the the kind of the the, the fact that it takes it takes a few years for you to notice that prices are changing um and then even then it's sort of it's not intuitive you know a, a pound is a pound is a pound isn't it well mm. actually no it's not <laughs> it buys you less and less each year um so it's it's not a desperate surprise that people struggle to to deal yeah. with inflation um and for me where you know what you were saying there is you know if it's if we can't kind of communicate and educate people about dealing with inflation at the point when actually they're having to manage it most uh, most on their own yeah um then what are we going to do i mean the, the 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 answer surely becomes something to do with the fiduciary duty of the person uh in some way supporting you to understand how to get your your kind of money out right mm-hmm. um so i guess that's the you know the timing of the is it, uh, new choices, big decisions is the next it is. Uh, kind yeah, of series. New choices, big yeah. decisions coming out in uh, in the new year. So so it was around freedom and choice. So so I can't remember. I think um, a, a, a large proportion of the cohort had essentially taken the money into savings, and therefore they are using uh, they're on their own, right? Um, yeah, the, 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 I think the group was that was targeted was was people who were actively considering access in their pots. Yeah. So some of them didn't actually access their pots right. in terms okay. of the first um, study. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the conclusions from that first study was that, you know, people were confused. Um, there was choice paralysis. People people yeah. weren't making decisions because the decision was, mm. was 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 too hard to make and they didn't know yeah. where to go for help, support and information. Yeah, so, I'd be really, so, so, so I, I, did, did anyone pick annuity and did anyone pick inflation linked annuity? Because in 2016, 17, 
that would have been a pretty good time to buy, um, possibly not on the income basis, but on the uh, inflation protection, protection basis. Yeah, I don't know, actually. Yeah, um, but I think we'll, they'll we'll, be, they're probably still kind of putting pen to paper a little bit, aren't they? So yeah, um, yeah, maybe yeah. we can we can suggest that uh, some part yeah. of the research <laughs> kind of answers our questions. We can highlight this to Alistair. Um, yeah. But yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. so, so 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 what is the role for a trustee post-retirement? Um, well, we there might has come to be on something to there, right? Yeah, we might come on to that because um, we're going to have a look at some of the key um, government initiatives and industry initiatives throughout the course of the year. So, and one of them was on um, the at retirement consolidate yeah. um, consultation. Yeah. So, yeah. hold your thoughts, Nico. Okay. Um, um, well, look, yeah, let me what have you got my, for us? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, well, I picked up a story um, about Paul Johnson of the IFS talking uh, on stage saying that um, old people need to spend more money than uh, they are currently. Um, mm. And this is essentially to to ensure that uh, we have an economy in the future. Um, and then you correctly highlighted the IFS's work uh, on, on state pension, which I think is in parallel. He must have been on stage um, partly kind of promoting that. Um, but so, yeah, so, so I guess the new story is the IFS have been have been busy. Um, so on the state pension side, yeah, I think their proposals are overall quite sensible. I guess they've noted that the triple lock over time will bankrupt us, yep. um, <laughs> which is a sort of extrapolation beyond reasonable uh, kind of, I think, the policy framework in which the triple lock was was written. Right. Mm. Um, so it was meant to be a catch up mechanism. Um, and the really, we've covered this a few times, but the critical question is, so, so, so when has the pensioner caught up? Mm. Um, and what the IFS has done is say, essentially, okay, so we should have uh, a kind of pin from the state, from from average earnings onto a state pension. Yeah. Um, so essentially, you, you, you could say there's a replacement ratio for an average earner that, yeah. that, that comes from the state pension, which to me seems entirely sensible. Um, and, and it's interesting. Sorry to interrupt, Nick. Mm. It's interesting that they're they're doing that as a percentage of median full time earnings. Mm. Because if you go back to the Pensions Commission, um, dusting away the cobwebs in my mind now. But I think um, <laughs> of which there of the are plenty, Darren. Of the, of the, there's, there's a few, and they're getting, getting increasingly so as well. Or every year. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. Um, I, I think um, quite often we used to talk about the proportion of life or working life spent in retirement. So it was a time-based thing as opposed to a um, percentage of um, average earnings type thing. And I know that the two yeah. things are slightly different because we haven't quite come on to state pension age yet. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but, the, but the level and the age at which you get that state pension is linked. And yeah. I think that, you know, thinking about it in average earnings terms is is is, is actually quite sensible. Um, and there's, there's, there's more, isn't there? Um, but one of the things, though, um, I was um, head of the pensions team at the Treasury um, when the coalition government came in and the coalition government had within its coalition agreement um, the triple lock. Right. I think yeah. it was um, in, the, in the Lib Dems manifesto. Right. And they actually had it as part of the coalition agreement. Mm. Um, and that was part of the, the you know the price of doing the the deal um i was about to say deal with the devil but you know that would have been totally <laughs> but that, that would have been totally wrong and, and highly political but you know that that was that was more of a a, a, a saying rather than any insight into my yeah. political views you know for, for the record obviously but well, those, guess, the, the, those, 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 those who know those who know me will know slightly different anyway yeah. um, so but, but they managed to keep the triple lock in that negotiation and and lost the tuition fees they did um piece so, so that was whether it was with the devil or you know that was the compromise the quid pro quo. There, there was some sort of dancing going on. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But but it was it was amazing because I think the triple lock is probably one of the most expensive long term government commitments mm. ever. Mm. And usually you know the treasury is an is a is a body that you know looks after the pennies. Yeah. And it's difficult to get the treasury to spend money in the best yeah. of times. And, you know, we were, we were looking at the numbers back in the day and it's just like, oh, my God, this is this is huge. You know, this yeah. the, the impact of this is is absolutely monumental. Mm. I've probably never seen a policy go through with such little actual fiscal scrutiny. It right. was pure, pure politics. Um, um, and, and, and obviously, once you have something like the triple lock, 
it's very very difficult to move away from it yeah but yeah. i think so this um, is what the ifs is is trying to help the politicians to do indeed. is to create a fair framework to replace the triple lock um so so what they don't have um is uh, necessarily a, a, a kind of clarity as to what the target level for the state pension relative to median earnings should be yeah um it's currently at about 30 percent yeah that's um, right yeah uh, but they do say, so I was, I was slightly confused by their framing around, so essentially you're, you're pinning it to the median earnings, but then you're saying it should go up in line, at least with inflation every year. So I wasn't quite sure how those two things, because obviously earnings may not go up in line with inflation. Well, it's a double lock. Mm. Um, and, and, and the trouble is that if you if you have a double lock and and, and remember, the, 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 one of the reasons the state pension fell so much in value is because yeah. it, it used to be linked to earnings. The earnings link got broken. Right. Um, and we linked it by prices. So in earnings terms, the value of the state pension was falling and falling quite significantly. Mm. Um, so as part of the um, Turner Commission settlement, they recommended going back to earnings. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was a big debate at the time about, you know, when that should happen. Yeah. And the Treasury got some language in there. I think it was um, 2012, um, subject to affordability and the fiscal position. Okay, right. you know, yeah. A, yeah. A, a, a great HMT, um, <laughs> a, a, you know, a, a caveat. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, but I think <laughs> that um, we've never really had that proper debate and discussion about what the appropriate level should be mm. um quite often you know you see figures quoted and cited that we're lowest in the oecd mm. um you know obviously a lot has changed since the pension commission because we've got the triple lock and uh, no, not the yep. triple lock there the single tier and the triple yep. lock has given a bit of catch up yeah but but yeah i think there's there's there, there, there's 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 something about what that level should be and then how it should be uprated yeah but, if but if you're going back to a double lock, then surely in years when inflation is higher than earnings, if you're operating by inflation, then you're increasing the value of the state pension um, in average earnings terms. Yeah. Um, yeah. Against against the benchmark that you want things yeah, to so be I, measured I, and set up against. Is that what I you're was, saying? I was, Nicole, I was pretty bit... confused actuarially by. So you sort of have this pure statement of we should have a measure versus average earnings, and then you dilute it with this inflation piece. And I, yeah. So, so let, let me run through these pieces. So, so, so third bullet is that the state pension should not be means tested. Good. Um, and then the fourth is, I guess, that kind of re relating to your kind of time uh, with the state pension comment mm. um, that the state pension age should rise um, with longevity, but never by as much as longevity increases. Yep. Um, and I thought the, um, uh, you know, the kind of kind of uh, codicil here was was quite cunning, which was that on your 50th birthday, your state pension age would be would be kind of locked in. Um, no, you'd so, be written to Nico. You'd be written to, yeah. to say what it was expected to be, but yeah. then your state pension age would be fully guaranteed. I'm doing air quotes now um, yeah, you for, are, for yeah. listeners' benefits. Yeah, <laughs> ten uh, years will before. be fully get guaranteed ten years before they reach it. Yeah. So um, we'll have to see how that letter on my fiftieth birthday kind of lands, right? Because you know, I think I'm going to find you in court if if it's substantially different. Um, well, I, do you reckon they'll do this in time for my 50th next year, Nico? No chance. No, no chance. Not happen, uh, is it? I mean, I don't think it's going to happen before my 50th, but um, <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, so I think they um, are trying to move the debate forward, which is which is really positive um, because it's sort of one of those planks of the Pensions Commission that we've been calling for throughout the year um is is thinking about how um you know public sector benefits and private sector benefit kind of merge together yeah um and uh if there was some consensus in parliament around an underpin essentially or a, a replacement ratio type approach um then i think that would give people a lot more confidence i mean on the flip side um it might mean that dropping the threshold, the earnings threshold piece is no longer necessary um, in terms of auto enrollment contributions, um, because it could be that actually you say, gosh, you know, already the state pension is more than you're currently earning. Um, and so why would you contribute into a, into a pension? Um, so it, it could have consequences for the kind of private sector um, uh, tier two type pensions. 
Yeah, um, but, but 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 actually, what I think because this is part of, and I don't think we've said this yet, but the this is part of a wider IFS pensions review. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, this this system is is too big and too monstrous to be able to sort of get everything out all at once. But yeah. I think they've got a series of papers on on different aspects of the the system. And you know, I'm hoping that what we'll see from some of this. And there's other tools out there as well. So PPI's yeah. pension framework um, and mm. their policy will, which is really a really good innovation on this as well, is that we can start thinking about this stuff in a in a joined up way. Because, you know, without that cent settlement and consensus on the state pension, you mm. can't have a conversation about exactly the stuff that you're talking about, Nico, which yeah. is, yeah. you know, earnings triggers and all of that. But actually adequacy, full stop. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we need to have that adequacy conversation. Um, and then just linking back to how I kind of entered this conversation. So the uh, the kind of statements about needing to spend more of the money. Um, so uh, we know most people post pension age don't spend the money that they have. I do think that that uncertainty around two major risks, so longevity and inflation, mm. are critical parts of why people don't actually consume all of their, their pension pots. Um, so if they could have some sort of product, I don't know if you could name one, Darren, that, that enabled them to manage their longevity and inflation risks, um, then, you know, maybe maybe that would help them uh, kind of consume more of their their their, their, their CDC, pension. Nico. CDC. Oh, that's what, I was yeah, that's, that, yeah, that's what you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, all joking aside, so, so CDC is obviously just an annuity with lower protection. So um, that's uh you know not a bad answer right um yeah, but yeah. uh it's um you know inevitable that i think there will be increasing focus here right increasing focus yeah yeah, yeah. um so um did you have any news. other news stories well, no no because no, we're going to do we're being well behaved nico this yeah week. we're oh, going we? to okay. finish well before the hour yeah okay. and we're going to stick to a news piece each but i'm sure we're going to pick up on a lot of um topics um, we've done a bit of bio on each of us before, haven't we? Yeah, um, we did that in the pilot. But right. I just wanted to ask you, Nico, you know, how's this year been for you? You know, you, you, yeah. you started the year as a was it as a consultant or um, <laughs> or were you uh, um, connected still then? Um, no, and now no. you're and now you're fully employed. So you know, what's no, your year been employed. like? No, I'm gamefully employed. Let, yeah. Let, um, let's update your let's update your biography. My biography. Yeah. So I um, no. So I left connected uh, on like the 30th of November last year. So sort of 11 months ago, uh, 13 months ago. Um, and uh, yeah, so I did sort of seven months of independent consulting. Um, very interesting client base, um, generally doing DC work, but I did have two decumulation clients in DC. Yep. Um, so w waiting to see the kind of fruit of fruit of my loom uh, being put out into the into the into the world of uh, post retirement solutions. But I think with those clients coming up with two uh, different, quite different solutions, um, but uh, helping them essentially as a critical friend kind of modeling yeah. expertise. Um, so so helping them develop that. Um, and then, yeah, so so mid year uh, going to Newton. Um, so uh, here is sustainable product advocate. So switching codes a little bit. Yep. Um, talking more about climate change and sustainability generally. Um, obviously, I've, I've, I went out to COP uh, last mm -hmm. week yep. um, and we have this kind of nail biting finale on Tuesday of this week. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it, I've always had a kind of passion around sustainability and climate change, and it's great to be in a role where you know i'm kind of forced to read these things let's say during working hours yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and and thinking about what you do with them you know so thinking about how climate risk affects portfolios um the commercial opportunities around it um you know uh, going to places like cop and and kind of feeling a bit more in the know as to what's going on as opposed to sort of a gifted amateur so um yeah no it's really it's a really interesting business. I think there's a huge amount of opportunity for the business um, mm. and they're lovely people. So um, it's it's been a good year for me. Um, Excellent. And you um, you were successful in um, the, the big vote, weren't you? The big vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm now a council member um, uh, for the Institute of Faculty of Actuaries. Um, so, uh, yeah, we are 
uh, in the midst. I, I can't spoil uh, for the audience the, the announcements that will be made probably uh, next week by the time you listen to this. Um, uh, but we've just I've just stepped away from the vote that we we had over the governance reforms, sure. which sure. had some controversy to them. So um, yeah, I think um, that is it like in is it is it like in Parliament where you ushered into a room? Um, in the, <laughs> the I column or the A column, uh, or no, it a bit only, more. If only that sounds great. Um, and then they unlock. What's that? Do you know that history? What, Lock the doors. Do they, yeah. What? What is that? Is that like? Don't know. Don't know. The king out. Um, maybe some, something maybe. like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, good to keep that going just in case. Uh, so, uh, yeah. No. So that's been that's been interesting. Um, and then I'm continuing. Uh, so I'm 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 the deputy chair of the finance investment board. Um, so I will take over uh, chairing that uh, some stage, I think autumn next year. Um, so yeah, keep the volunteering stuff busy, um, hoping to kind of cross codes and, and do uh, kind of more climate change and sustainability work as a volunteer as well as a, a kind of professional yep. here. Um, but yeah, no, it's been a it's been a busy year. How about yourself, Darren? What, yeah, what's been, it's what's um, the story of your year. Well, uh, um, you know, I used to uh, do policy and market engagement roles at both Peoples and at Smart. And mm. in June 2022, yeah, mm. I decided to go alone and set up Shula. And, you know, more of the same, really, more of the same. Mm. So have, I've grown out my um, network um, of clients. Um, like you, I'm quite active on the on the volunteering side of things mm. as well. Um, so, you know, being very involved in um, PASA and PASA's work on DC mm. governance um, and also trustee of the PPI, Pensions Policy Institute, yeah. and do lots of stuff for the PMI, uh, Pensions Management Institute as well. Mm. And I find that that is that's really good because you, you meet different people. It, it helps you keep your eye in. Uh, yeah, you're yeah. just you're just hearing um, different perspectives from people, um, which is which is great. Um, but it's been yeah, a busy year. Uh, the client base continues to grow. Um, lots and lots of stuff to tackle. And yeah. what I've really enjoyed actually is the diversity of work. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I have done stuff across the piece. Um, mm. was involved with a number of large DB schemes mm. on the GMP Easy project that we've talked about before. Yeah. This yeah. is uh, um, you know, creating a suite of um guaranteed minimum pension communications for for free use mm. by um smaller schemes um so that's on one side of the spectrum you know on the other side of the spectrum i've been helping dg publishing out with their events you mm. know chairing events um and help them with their acquisition of um, pensions expert which was which is really interesting um helping technology companies work out you know what their narrative is and yeah. how they can um you know engage and talk to the industry and yeah, um, you know, it's been quite good that there's been so many policy responses to do as well, yeah. because, you know, done a few of those this year as well. So, yeah, it's yeah. going away. Um, looking looking forward to a break over Christmas. Feel like yes. I need a break now. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, when I, I, I had two holidays this year and um, worked a bit on both of them. Uh, yeah. So I need to I need to you know, sort myself out on that a bit. But I'm yeah. going to have a break over Christmas and then raring to go in in 2024 mm. um, with with both work and season two of the podcast, Nico. Yes, looking forward to that. So before we talk about season two, well, we call it season two. Is that we just keep counting? So, yeah, I, I, I thought we should name check all of our guests. Um, which uh, I hope I have accurately uh, kind of written down the list in order. So, should we do um, five? Should we do five each? Okay. Then, yeah. All Go right. On, then. So, thank you to uh, David Butcher, David Farah, Amanda Latham, Greg McClymont, Henry Tapper, uh, and to Andrew Chiseldean, Zoe Alexander, Sophia Singleton, uh, Des Healy, uh, and Julius Purcell. <laughs> so. Thank you to Mike Berners-Lee, Mark Austin, uh, Robert Cochran, Jenny Sugal, uh, Joe Cumbo. Uh, at, is that five? Uh, <laughs> I think so. I've lost count. And we've got Romy Savova, Rona Train, Brian Henderson, Simon Q, who talked about Rudy, his dog. I remember yes. that episode. That was a lovely episode. And Robert <laughs> Holford. Uh, the annuity, the annuity general, <laughs> Mark Ormston, uh, Andrew Warwick Thompson, probably our most listened to episode. Uh, there's no, there's no probably about it, Nick. I'm definitely <laughs> our most listened to episode. Uh, so Ian McCain and Matteo Park. 
Uh, I think there was only four, but we'll carry on anyway. Okay. Uh, Nathan Long, Adrian Balding, Louise Davey, uh, Vincent Franklin and Charlotte Moore. And I remember the Charlotte Moore episode very well because it was difficult to get a word in edgeways. <laughs> um, thank you to Paul Budge. Damien Paul Budgeon, Budgeon, Budgeon. Oh, yes, that's what I wrote down. Oh, that's my fault. Paul Budgeon, of course. Damien Stankham, uh, John Greenwood, Simon Crystal, Louise Frowns and Liz Footy. That was six, you're getting them back. Um, so also so big thanks to Alistair Byrne, Margaret Snowden, Will Martindale, Richard Smith and Tim Gosling. And finally, uh, Nico. Yeah, so Uchi Enwachuku, uh, Caroline Escott, uh, Paul Watson and the Right Honourable Nick Sherry. Uh, there's a bit of an Australia tour. Um, so uh, brilliant. Thank you so much. They were, I, I thought every single one I learned things. Um, yeah. Every single one was a really good sport in dealing with our kind of slightly mad, uh, massively unprepared uh, style, Darren. <laughs> um, so I've been, I've been listening back to them. Have you? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, obviously the favourite person is myself, uh, but uh, that's... <laughs> you surprised me. You surprised oh, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I, like, week in, week out, I go like, oh, that's a good point, Nick. Um, but... <laughs> good you know, points we, made you know, around. You know we're not allowed to swear on this podcast. No, I, I'm not. just about we're to not. make an exception. <laughs> <laughs> what, to get at the last episode of the year to break our rating on Spotify or whatever. Um, but, you know, I've, I mean, like, I've, I've, I've listened to about a third of them back in order. Um, and, yeah, I, you know, I'm really actually, I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of them. Um, so it is now uh kind of I, I i hit and miss it's fair to say on a kind of weekly basis depending on um whether people online tell us that we've been controversial or not mm. um and um going back over them i think it's yeah it's, it's a really good corpus of work i'm very proud of it darren i'm very happy that that, that we agree to do this I, so, so uh, do you do you like the sound of your own voice, Nico? And I, I know, and I don't mean that just. Mm. I, I mean that in terms of I hate listening to myself yeah. back on audio. Right? Yeah, I'm not talking about you. Everyone knows you like the sound of your own voice. Yeah, yeah no, I, I like uh, that. I, I but, say, yeah. But, but yeah, but 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 from an um, but from an audio perspective, mm. you know, how, I've, I've how, got very used to it. I've got used to it. So so I think. Um, you know, this isn't my first rodeo in terms of being recorded. So it, definitely the first times that you hear yourself back, it's like, oh, my God, who's that? Who's, who's, whose voice is that? And is that really how others hear me? Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, I think over time um, I'm comfortable with it. It's sort of it is what it is, isn't it, Darren? I mean, like, is, yeah. you know, unless I'm going to get a voice trainer um, or we go through some modulation software that you can install, you know, it is what it is. But um yeah, no, it's it's a good question. Are you do you not like yourself at all? Then I just can't believe I sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I'll ever get over that. But anyway, anyway, moving <laughs> we, swiftly on. No, you do. So, you do. So, yeah, no, I know. I know. I know. Yeah, I, I'm going to invest in some voice filtering technology. I yeah. think that's what we need to do. We need to. So, so we we've, we've covered a lot of issues with our guests mm. um, throughout the course of the year. Um, and you know the the key topic, surprise surprise, value for money. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm kind of listening back. Obviously, so so let's talk a little about the kind of the history. So so there was the the value for money consultation um, came out beginning of February, something like that. So we had that. Um, and then um, uh, we had Des Healy on to to kind of talk through that. I mean, we talked about it a lot. We had a, a week yeah. with a, a, a special with two episodes, um, one where we were kind of doing the digest. And I think we had Greg uh, straight after. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we, we have been through uh, the, the, the VFM consultation quite a lot. Um, you know, I, I, and I think what's really interesting for me is is the sort of the themes that we were picking out um have been to some extent sort of jumped over in the consultation response so so in the kind mm. of the, the wash up of the consultation i think we were a bit underwhelmed by that mm. it's fair to say um but we know that this is sort of coming back onto tpr's radar now yeah. um and obviously fca uh about to consult on its powers yeah. so um or its use of its powers so so yeah we'll have to see next year how the those themes kind of came out um 
it's probably too many to mention but Darren maybe you take a pick of kind of what you what you what you're kind of most focused on in the VFM consultation I you know having just done the two last podcasts with mm. um, Nick and Paul I think yeah. the focus on net benefit and performance mm. yeah, really comes through strongly yeah um and you know I really liked what those two were saying um and I really liked what they were saying about sanctions as well Mm. So you can have frameworks, you can have metrics, but if you don't have teeth, if if if, if there's no consequence to, to to not meeting minimum standards, then you know what's the point? Yeah. And um, I think that you know if the government is really serious about consolidation, if it yeah. is really serious about value for money, then you know there's got to be consequences if if, yeah. if schemes or providers don't don't achieve that. And mm. and I think that you can get there a lot quicker with a, a slightly firmer political and um regulatory hand yeah um so 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 that that comes through loud and clear mm. um i think that you know i, I loved um robert cochran when he was on the on the show yeah. talking about his was it mountain warehouse north face that's it right yeah mountain other bags are available, available you know. yeah that, um it, I, I probably insulted robert there because mountain warehouse branded bag is probably not as cool or good as um, a North Face type bag, but I, 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 I know right. nothing about this stuff. Yeah. But, 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 you know, but, but there was a number of themes around the podcast that time, which is, well, mm. you know, value's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Yeah. You know, um, I would get much more value from an Arsenal season ticket um, by paying more money for it than if someone gave me a free Tottenham Hotspur season ticket, for example. <laughs> yeah. For example. Uh, for example. So, so, so well, it depends whether whether they're winning or losing. Right? I mean, maybe, well, maybe you want to yeah. go to see Spurs lose every week. Anyway, that's yeah, the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, you know, the value is in the eye of the beholder and it mm. makes it very, very difficult to sort of get to an agreed set of metrics. So it's good that we're talking about it. It's good we're yeah. talking about consolidation. But, 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 unless, but unless, right, unless it's this net benefit thing well, um yeah right because um, that's then what you, go on no but then you discount things like service and support and um communications and engagement and stuff so you might anchor it around that net benefit and then the other stuff is yeah sort of nice to haves and, yeah. and and that seems what they've done to me what they've done in australia they've they've really nailed it on net benefit so this is mm. about um, and was it uh, one of our early guests, um, David Farrer, I think it was, was yeah. talking about money in versus money out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. what value for money means to him. Um, yeah. So, was, you know, there was a our, consistent our, theme at the beginning of the year, actually. So, 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 so a lot of our guests went down that route. Yeah. Um, so like Zoe Alexander was talking about, look, at the, at the end of the day, you money know, out, yeah. it's money out. Right. And and um, so, yeah, I definitely pick out that piece as well myself, because um, the 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 kind of linking piece with engagement and service and choice mm. is like in, in what way does that facilitate you to have a bigger benefit? Um, and if you can make that link, then it's absolutely part of your VFM uh, assessment. But mm. if you can't, then it's just this thing that you maybe are doing, but doesn't link to kind of whether you rate yourself as good value or not. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's a really interesting dimension. But it 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 didn't sort of get that clear, I'd say, in the consultation roundup response, whatever they're called. No, I, it feels I, like they might have been pushed off the ball a little bit on that. Yeah, I think so. And I think... Part of this comes down to value for money for who, yeah, yeah. And, and what this value for money stuff is for, yeah. yeah. Um, because you know, if you're worried about defaults and inertia, and you want people who you know are into this brought into the system due to inertia and who are serial defaulters, I'm a serial defaulter. You know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. If you need value for money metrics, yeah um to to assess the quality and suitability of the schemes you know for people who are saving in those types of schemes that that makes a lot of sense for it to be mm. on net benefit yeah the problem is and this is the other theme um that we talked about a lot in the early days but mm. we it's sort of dropped off the agenda well exactly yeah yeah well it, it's the retail versus institutional yeah 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 and I, I remember you, you know, making a very controversial point. I think it was at the time. Well, apparently, it, controversial. apparently controversial about, you know, um, if you're looking at stuff through an institutional lens, a retail scheme would never be value for money. Mm. But in a way that that's not saying retail good um, or bad versus right. institutional good or bad. Basically, it just depends on the lens you're looking for it. Yeah. And um, it was great having Romy on who was talking mm. about her membership with Pensions B. 
and you know they do value things like having an app they do um you know call up quite regularly to talk to the i think they maybe call them the beekeepers you know and 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 you know but but they're not serial defaulters they've made an active decision that that's what they want to do and 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 i think that you know i've i've i i like all-encompassing models yeah i like comparisons to be able to make i i want people to be able to to look at a pensions b other consolidators available look right. at a workplace scheme and work out what's value for them and then make a choice accordingly um but i think we can end up conflating a lot of the stuff yeah um and, and, and we lose the essence of you know what what the value for money framework is actually for yeah yeah 100 percent. and um that's for me where the phase two three bullets so uh retail self-select and decumulation it's an, yeah. it's an obvious choice that decumulation is the one that you should be doing yeah because the institution is probably going to be the one that decumulates you yeah um if you if you want to put choice next to defaulting behaviors inertial behaviors then you need to come into a whole different kind of world of understanding the value of choice and it's like yeah. some sort of option strategy or some sort of possibly marketing possibly delivery of uh, risk and return it's it, it, there's a lot of different things that kind of sit there versus uh, an auto enrollment inertial framework mm. so um i don't know that i sort of share your purity of thought in terms of let's try and have one process where people can slide up and down the things that they value and understand whether um you know the the, the product is valuable mm. um but the, the the comment that i got pinged a little bit on on uh, social media around was was me saying if 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 you know essentially retail is not valued compared to institutional and that's because if the framework is designed for institution it will not value the things that retail values um and um you know it surprised me that people think that's controversial but there you go they they maybe don't look in the mirror that much Um, but one thing that wasn't controversial yeah oh no um, really (laughs) uh, uh, no no one thing it wasn't um and we 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 we, we, we've classed it as a success i think we might be stretching it a bit nico but the splitting out of investment costs from admin costs is something that we amendment amendment, yeah yeah. Uh, um so yeah i mean that that just in terms of transparency is is surely the way to go um i mean the the other side in terms of transparency uh, i think i calculated 3200 data points um that if you followed through all the questions um des was very clear on 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 correcting us no no no, they're just questions but if you did follow that through all of those kind of uh, splits of performance might be kind of made it into your reporting then you'd you'd provide this kind of phone book of of of, uh, percentages (laughs) um so uh that that i don't think will be the future but enabling you know the where this needs to get to really is enabling people to see the price history of the funds that they've been contributing yeah. to mapped onto when they made contributions um yeah. and that is unfortunately not going to be the future either so yeah. um it's a bit betwixt and between isn't it um mm. so yeah i mean do you think this will kind of succeed in sparking more consolidation um i think it very much will depend on the nature of the enforcement powers yeah um but but equally i think there's wider stuff at play that will be yep. driving consolidation um and you know the, the vfm framework is one way into it i think yep. there's other ways into it as well which is a beautiful segue into mansion house because yes. in a way that's always all about bigger better you know how can we get pension schemes to invest uh you know, um, help save UK PLC. Yeah, and that link to, uh, I guess, the Paul Johnson comment around essentially the systemic impact of pensions on the UK economy. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know that I have great optimism um, that either pension schemes will put 5% of illiquids into their their strategies, those, are, those who've signed up, mm. um, nor that those illiquids will be kind of uh, fostering a, a, a huge private equity and, and venture capital industry in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it feels to me a bit performative at the moment, um, mm. but, um, you know, the only people who have really done this so far are NEST. Um, uh, there are some uh, illiquid products being kind of prepared through the LTEF uh structure um yep. what's what's interesting is whether because because um might have i think up to 25 or 40 percent liquid so whether that 
5% is now multiplied or whether I just treat the LTAF as the illiquid thing. Right. Um, you know, that, that's quite interesting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, 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 the kind of really important topic is probably the performance fee piece. Yes. Um, which we did touch on a few times. Um, so, uh, you know, how do you attribute it? How do you attribute liquidity risk mm. between members, uh, valuation between members so mm. that um, essentially everybody gets a fair fair yeah. charge of that performance fee? Well, it's the um, fairness. It's, it's, it's how do you mm. divide out the, um, the benefit and the cost mm. um, when you don't have that instantaneous daily pricing? Yeah. Um, and yeah. You know, you, you can you can develop methodologies to do that. I think you can. It's just yeah. it's just simple. You know, it's, it might not be simple maths, but there's you know you can develop stuff that do that. Then it's a judgment as to what is fair and what isn't. Yeah, know? and I think yeah. that's that's the most difficult bit of the calculation, not the calculation itself. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it seems like that that has is the sort of neglected topic here. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I, I talked a few times on this podcast about um, the patient capital review or whatever it was called. Mm. You know, it, it it seemed like they were more kind of marketing private assets than thinking about the consequences of having non-daily traded assets in a DC system mm. um, and having the consequences of performance fees in the DC system. You know, the main consequence that they noticed is the charge gap and then they exempted performance fees from the charge gap, but that doesn't take yeah. the issue away at all. No, no, no. Um, you, you know, I, I doubt um, schemes with performance fees in are going to be trying to spend more than 75 basis points. They're, they're mm. so far away from that now. Yeah. Um, what they are going to have to try and do is, is to attribute those performance fees fairly between members who've received the benefits and and, and not. Um, mm. And that is the actual topic that I wish the patient capital review had been more focused on. Mm. But um, mm. unfortunately, it was uh, kind of set up from day one to be a champion for venture capital and not really a champion for DC. Um, yeah, yeah, but well, and 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 that could be said to mention houses generally. Yeah. You know, so so there's there's some good stuff in there, you know, like yeah. there's some stuff you wouldn't necessarily argue about, but it is the lens at which government pensions policy is now being made. Mm. Um, you know, so we've talked a bit about small pots. Um, yeah. Recently, we talked about pot for life. Yeah. Um, you know, it's bigger. Bigger is better. People, mm. you know, the government wants. Um, schemes to consolidate it wants people to consolidate their pots yeah, yeah i think pot consolidation in general for people is a good thing yeah um but you know they want to regulate fewer bigger schemes and they want those schemes to be you know have the size have the scale to be able to invest um effectively and and, yeah. and that is a lens on government policy yeah. yeah so on the small pot stuff just to take an example you know it was a debate if you remember nico between potfullers member and consolidators yeah. yeah, and it's quite a finely balanced debate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you look at the original criteria pre-Mansion House, you'd probably just just come down on the side of Potfuller's member. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or stapling. Um, I, uh, no, 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 not not stapling. So stapling is an, another yeah. thing. So so yeah. you know you you move you move job, um, your pot would follow with you. You know, so your pot would transfer to your new provider yeah. rather than stapling, which is the other way around yeah. yeah sorry that's what's confused me is the link to mansion house there so so you, because because if i have an illiquid asset mm -hmm. um in my mix then what i don't really want is people leaving the scheme well no exactly so, because so, they so, change so, job right so so pre-mansion house mm. i would have said pop member yeah. according to the criteria probably yeah. was just nudging it yeah yeah post-mansion house an extra criteria got i reckon added into the the assessment of the options and then that's why you went default consolidator you know yeah. because it was the yeah. it was the mansion house aspect and the focus on investment mm. um that sort of tipped the balance one way or the other on yeah. what was quite a finely balanced decision yeah. so just recently as well and i know we're going we, we haven't got a huge amount of time and we're going to do this one in less than an hour yeah um but just reading the you know in recent days we've had the fca and the treasury come out with the um financial advice and guidance boundary review mm. yes some good stuff in there some good stuff in there um but you know you can just you can just see where the government government's motivations are on this you know high quality and accessible support is key to empowering consumers to take full advantage of the opportunities offered to them by yeah. the uk's world-leading financial services sector and to reinvigorating a culture of investment in the uk right so you know we, we there's been lots of reviews about um 
guidance and advice. We've had the mm. retail distribution review. We've had the financial advice market review. And the yep. FCA has never shifted or yep. only marginally shifted from, you know, where the distinction between advice and guidance actually is. Yep. Now we've got this productive finance lens and you can yep. see this. That was a quote from the document. That was a quote from the ministerial forward I just read out. Yeah. Yeah. That actually this is now changing policy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at a level that it it wasn't before. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so the lens and the drivers of policy are very different now to what they were even I would say a year two years ago. So so just take me and and the listeners through that because it, it sounds like you've had the um the advantage of of reading this, <laughs> so or reading some of it. So so just the, with that lens. Does that mean then that there should be more guidance and less advice, essentially, or that the, the yeah. guidance is a bigger, the perimeter has kind of expanded? Yeah, I, I, and, and they've, they've, they've got a number of options for um, reform, and part yeah. of it's about reform of the perimeter. Um, um, part, part of it is about simplified advice. And, you know, so there's various yeah. things that, you know, um, but, but, the but industry just have been back. calling. Thinking the back to Mansion House, yeah. so, so, so does that mean I could go into a, one of these products without seeing an advisor? Is that yeah. w- what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're just, you're, you're, you're just, you're just reducing the friction and barriers yeah. for people to expand their investment set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but the, the point is not the detail of where the advice and sure. guidance no, no, boundary no. actually sits. It's they're creating the link between okay, whether someone should get advice and where the advice and guidance boundary should sit yeah. versus quantum of investment in UK PLC. Yeah, and that's the thing that is driving their behaviour now. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and it sounds like we'll have more of the same uh, in the next parliament. Whoever wins. Um, on the basis yeah. that both both front benches are kind of on this page in slightly nuanced different ways, but again from that sort of policy direction kind of kind of perspective. Yeah. Um, and, but but and, having having just come back from the climate change conference, you know the the, the gap here. So so the UK was amongst uh, a number of countries who committed to trebling renewables and doubling energy efficiency. So, you know, what what has always disappointed me about the Mansion House narrative is this sort of sense that, you know, essentially it's the kind of growth engine of of the UK that we need to be financing and not actually the infrastructure, um, because it's the infrastructure which is sorely lacking. Right. I mean, we've got uh, schools which are falling down on on our pupils. Um, We've got uh, trains which are in utter chaos. Right. We can't. It's ridiculously expensive for us to build uh, high speed railways um, yeah. and we can't even kind of get political consensus around that. So so the sense that what we should therefore be doing is like investing in small cap um, startups uh, because, you know, we need to grow our way out of this trouble as opposed to I could see an argument where you say, OK, so the, so, so the infrastructure can't be financed out of the public purse. What is the mechanism to enable private sector to take the risk of infrastructure and without the expertise? So mm. you could see a lot of the innovation in this space being uh, discussions of uh, they call it sort of catalytic finance, uh, first loss mechanisms. You could see all of that kind of pieces being the government's response to Mansion House, but mm. it's not there at all. It's no. just you know what we need is to get you guys into more two and twenty structures because then we'll raise more tax and some of that money in the two and twenty will be going into kind of the UK innovation infrastructure. Um, and you kind of go, okay, I get that narrative. It just it surprises me that it's kind of higher priority than than you know the the infrastructure requirements, particularly in the decarbonisation of this country. So really good points and I'm gonna um just in the interest of time um the I want to bridge to um was it, it was a private members bill wasn't it I yes. can't remember the um MP yeah but uh, you know we've Jonathan got we, Gullis that's that's the one yeah it um, it's Gullis anyway uh, yeah. it's Gullis yeah um the and 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 that put in place um some changes to water moment yeah. And that stemmed from the 2017 review. It empowered the minister to put those. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, it, it, you know, it, this is enabling legislation. They, mm-hmm. The government still needs to c- consult and work out how best to do it. Um, but the government's been resisting this for a while. Yeah. yeah. And I'm wondering why. Uh, well, I'm not wondering why. Um, I, <laughs> you know, um, it's like, well, why did that happen now? Yeah. Mm. Or why did it happen this year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, it could have a productive finance lens. 
Yeah, it could be. Okay, again, this is this increases investment. It's, it's good yeah. for adequacy. It solves some of the problems with the auto enrollment system that we've talked about quite a lot. But again, why now? Well, yeah. you know, you're setting the the path for you know higher contributions into into pension funds. And you know, if you if 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 you if, you, if you're a bit of a skeptic like me on this stuff, it's like, well, you know, there was a um, a, 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 a proposal for a bill. I think it was the year before. Didn't right. pass then. Yeah. No one was interested in it before Mansion right. House and before, you know, um, some of the political noise about investments. Yeah. I mean, so just to, in terms of the actual passage, this happened before Mansion House, right? So so it's sort of February yeah. time that it that it happened. Yeah. It was so that doesn't mean that they weren't thinking about Mansion House yeah. at the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so I guess I haven't seen they because it was a private members bill, they wouldn't have to have done a cost benefit analysis. Um, but I guess a sort of naive calculation is that everyone's got an earnings threshold, um, which will, when this, you know, when the power is used, get removed. Um, so that must put, I don't know, 20%, 30% on the auto enrollment uh, bill, mm. um, which is several billions a year, right? Um, so uh, I doubt moving, what is it, from 22 to 18? Has anything like the same impact? It's the threshold that that would really have that, it has, that impact. It has it has quite a bit of impact, and and um, yeah. there, there was a paper um, which I, I think we discussed, which was the government actuaries to paper, um, mm. which was you remember there was these um, messages from ministers that uh, this package of reforms um, yeah. would add a thousand pound. I think it was a year. Yes. Um, uh, you know, I know we had a debate whether it was a thousand pound or a thousand pound per year, but it was actually a year. It was a year, and it was, yeah. some, it, and it was some GAD analysis on 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 this stuff. And yeah, and the, I think the government actually must be very nervous that we keep on yeah. quoting this number back. Um, <laughs> but I think it's still Martin Clark. Thanks for that number. Um, <laughs> keep us going for ages. Um, yeah, exactly. But 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 you know what I noticed about that number is you know there'd be a policy initiative over here and the thousand pound was mentioned. There would be a policy yeah. initiative over here and a thousand pound was mentioned. Yes. And you know yeah. it it was like the sum of everything. Yeah. Yes. And the vast majority of it, I think, is um, auto enrollment thresholds. I would um, hope. Um, you, I you have some as well. ludicrous calculations of, of just how profitable it is to invest in private equity. Um, uh, not least the CDC community essentially talking about the non-de-risking elements of moving from a sort of lifestyle, mm. presumably targeting annuity at the age 60 uh, as the baseline uh, through to uh, going to, 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 to a world of, uh, you know, continued equity investment through to death. So, um, yeah. No, I think you're right. Should we? Because um, the other just major thing in the year um, is dashboard. Um, which, dashboard. Well, exactly. So we had this. We had a fantastic um, uh, cast with with uh, Richard Smith. I'm going to say kind of October time. Um, we got t-shirts, Nico. We got we got t-shirts. Thank you so much to Richard for that. Um, uh, really, really interesting guy. Really interesting story. But but mm. earlier in the year, um, this was all kind of suspended right or paused mm. i don't know quite what the, the governmental language is reprogrammed um, subject to a reprogrammed <laughs> so um yeah i i know you you're uh, a big fan of dashboards and of uh, probably through passer are, are you seeing some of that kind of what needs to be done for dashboards and enabling and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah so i'm you know i'm not on the like paz has got a separate dashboard working group and there's some great people on that driving it forward and um, paz have done some fantastic guidance on this stuff. yeah and and i think it was one of these ones where you know um the it was a tension between delivering the project in a sensible way and yeah. delivering it within um, a, a coherent political timetable, let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, quite understandably, politicians always want stuff to be delivered tomorrow um, yeah. or today, preferably. Um, and these pro and these projects are complicated. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that the dashboard programme has, has done all right. Yeah. Um, I think there was absolutely no scope for things to go wrong um, within their plan. And I think yeah, as soon as things started that, to go wrong, yeah. then there was no coming back. And that led to it wasn't okay. a program. It was a reset. So yeah. it's a reset of the strategy, a reset of the timetable. Um, you know, they, they they were probably betting on. Yeah, we need a perfect um, project. We need the, the program to go absolutely swimmingly to hit this deadline. There was yeah. no capacity. There was no there was no wiggle room in it. All right. I'm going to. Um... 
I'm going to ask two questions. Let's move on. Um, I'm going to ask you two questions, Darren. Okay. Uh, so question number one is, what are we doing next year? Are we still having a podcast next year? I don't know. Like, I, I was, um, <laughs> you know, if, if 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 any of our listeners want to sort of uh, branch off and um, create a rival podcast with me, um, <laughs> because I've had to spend over fifty hours with Nico, then then then, then just please email me. Um, like, avoid the VFM email. Yeah, no. So, um, yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I would love to. You know, I've really enjoyed your company. I've enjoyed the chat. Um, you know, I I don't know if anyone. You know, we, we, there would be we would be creating a big hole in people's lives if we didn't carry on doing the podcast. But yeah, you know, yeah. we do it. It's good fun for us. So why not? Eh? Why not? Um, I'm very much looking forward to spending another uh, 52 hours with you next year um, in the company of some wonderful guests. But I think we want to do things slightly differently. So still guests, probably most week guests um bringing probably a few of those names that we read out back um but i think one of the interesting things that we're we we should think about darren is is how we get a debate so some of those key topics Mm. um our guests kind of disagreed with each other and um i think the wonderful thing about the pensions industry is that in general we can we can all kind of uh, disagree on on principle kind of amicably um I was just looking at my uh, Podbeam app. Uh, I see mm. we've passed 12,000 listens. It's not bad, is it? It's amazing. Um, so absolutely delighted with that result. Um, we want to keep going. Um, but yeah, so so possibly some debates, um, possibly some live from a conference recordings. Um, yeah, we could uh, do we'll that. to see how we, we go. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to keep going. So that's question one. So, yeah, um, so 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 yeah, definitely agree with all that. I think it would be good to obviously have some of our, our guests back. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, just we've agreed a wish list of another twenty, haven't we? <laughs> uh, I think we have. Yeah, and and yes. the, the wish list gets added to yes, um, quite often. Um, it does. So if you haven't been invited on yet, it's it's not because you're well, and at if the you'd bottom like to of a list. Yourself, we'd, we'd Please do. Very open to that. Yeah, yeah we yeah, are. Yeah. yeah. And um, um, the, the chaotic nature of organisation of this podcast means that there's always a chance <laughs> that we haven't secured a guest yet. So, um, you know, uh, <laughs> you can always um, chance you on. But I, lo- I really like the idea of the debate and the discussion as well. Mm. Um, and, mm. and, and, and having a bit of juxtaposition between different um, you know, points of view. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, Pot for Life and, you know, um, stuff like that is going to be a great place to start. Um, so my question number two um we disagree on um is it padder or padder <laughs> i always think it's uh, padder i was just Pada. struck i think Pada. i just called Pada. it passer and you called it parser what's the <laughs> Pada. Pada. yeah you said it with a z um i said it with, you an, said it with an r <laughs> no 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 i don't i don't think it is parser but it could be passer and you said it's passer <laughs> okay right so we know um helen dean um who i think we mentioned last week yes. had um just got a new uh, position on one of the masters uh, Scottish uh, with those? No, no standard life standard, standard life, life yeah, yeah yeah um um and so we should know, ask her she, no 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 it well, doesn't that's not how it works. Well, it's, she, it's, it's, she was it's, one of who's in she, whose mouth it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's the only thing we disagree on, Nico. We've done well. Yeah, we agree on most things. We agree on most things. So, um, have you got anything coming up? Christmas? What's 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 happening Christmas. in the new year? Christmas, Christmas, and New Year, and then I'm just thinking about what I'm going to be doing next year. Okay. Um, so, um, I I've probably got some stuff that I'm committed to but I'm not thinking it now about it now until um, after Christmas. So I've All got right. a couple of days of work to do next week. Um, and then I'm going to spend some time with my kids and my family. And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, well, I'm going to uh, name check one thing that I'm doing uh, next year, which we've mentioned a few times. So the Net Zero Investors um, Defined Contribution Summit. Mm. Um, so uh, talking about how to achieve net zero in DC schemes, that's the 31st of January in the Stock Exchange here in good old London town. So uh, if you haven't booked, do come down. Um, If you've managed to listen to 51 hours of me talking, then me chairing and hosting a day won't be too offensive to you, I hope. Um, So uh, yeah, do sign up. We've got some amazing panelists um, and I'm really looking forward to kind of spending the day talking about 
climate change and DC. That's uh, my my two favourite topics coming together. So um, yep. yeah, if you look at my LinkedIn post, um, I posted this week, and you'll be able to see the the kind of registration uh, link there. Brilliant, brilliant. And um, the final thing I wanted to say uh, mm. was that thanks to DG Publishing. Yes, um, they quite often. Um, not all the time because quite often we do this remotely but when we mm. do in-person events um, we have the use of their pod yeah. um, we, and we love being um, in person not least yeah. because we usually go for a beer and spot yeah, 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 yeah. don't we? Um, which is always good fun Jamie's um, Cheap yeah, Street if anybody wants to ex stalk exactly, us exactly, yeah. <laughs> you should come and, and hang out that, about that's, one that's Thursday Thursday yeah <laughs> um, but yeah no, just thank you to them for um, you know hosting us and, and being mm. great supporters of the podcast it's absolutely fantastic yeah yeah so uh, where are you spending Christmas um, at home yeah um, so i'm yeah. hosting got my parents coming around so really looking forward to that and yeah. yeah looking forward to seeing some football some american football chilling out yeah. Yeah. playing a bit of playstation yeah you know yeah yeah gonna do um, do some of that we're back to the west country to oh, nice. um see i think all of my siblings and my parents so um that'll be that'll be really nice lots of uh, nieces and nephews running around as well getting excited in that sort of way that it, is, it did strike me the other day as I watched a bunch of adults dressed as Father Christmas um, that this sort of like this desire to to create the end of the year magic for children um, mm. somehow infects you uh, in the office as well. It's, it's a funny thing to see a yeah. bunch of sort of 40 year olds um, pretending the, to each other that they're each Father Christmas, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's an energy about it, isn't there, that it just creates, which is um, wonderful. And I was speaking to someone the other day who said, that, you know, they... Um, one of our podcast guests actually who's mm. saying that it's the it's the lead up to the christmas that is the magical bit yes you know and it's the excitement it creates and stuff um, um and then see then seeing your football team lose on boxing day you 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 sort of yeah, you know, come, come down to a yeah so allegedly you're sing, you're singing us out in this episode nico uh Am I? with a christmas carol i don't know which one you've chosen but um, um yeah so um i just wanted to say any children listening i hope you are on the nice list and mm. uh do as much as you can to make sure that uh father christmas doesn't give you a lump of coal um to any adults listening um i hope you've been appropriately on the naughty list and uh <laughs> <laughs> Keep it, uh, yeah, I don't know, keep keep uh, working within the right parameters, but testing the edges, I guess that's my, that's my <laughs> mantra, there you go. Darren, you have no parameters, you're you're a one-man band, you get to do it like, within band. reason. I do, I do, yeah. <laughs> sort of. Awesome. Excellent, well, look, well happy Merry Christmas, Christmas everybody. <laughs> happy Christmas, Darren. <laughs> yeah, happy Christmas, um, have a great new year, and here's to yes. VFM pensions in 2024. Yeah, until next year, thanks everybody and goodbye. Goodbye.